Hola, hola, and welcome back to this week's episode. I am so excited for you to listen in to today's episode because it is actually a live coaching call. And this call, I wanted to make sure to bring it to the show because it is truly so powerful and it speaks to all my Latinas who have a really difficult time with selling their services. In this episode, you will get an inside view of what getting coached looks like, but you will also have so much insight on the topic of sales. If you stay to the end of the episode, you will see how much your perspective about sales will shift after just listening in on this live coaching call alone. And you will also quickly realize that the stories that we tell ourselves either make us or break us. You will also have an opportunity to see just how transformational coaching can be for you when you let yourself get coaching, be vulnerable, and you are willing to go deep. In this episode and really during this live coaching call that you'll get to listen in on, you will hear the coaching that I provide my client Liz with in regards to the internalized negative thoughts that she has created around selling, and we really help her identify where they come from so that she can bring awareness to them and start creating the results she's looking for in her business and start feeling more comfortable with sales overall, right? So really changing the narrative of the story that she's been telling herself. Hi, and welcome to the Latina CEO Identity Podcast, a show for Latinas who want to take the unconventional path. I'm so happy you're here. I'm your host, Liz Fernandez, a first-generation daughter of immigrants and therapist turned multi-six-figure CEO and identity coach. I help Latinas create and claim their identity as booked-out coaches and entrepreneurs. In this show, you will have a space to help you realize just how gifted and extraordinary you already are so that you start tapping into your gifts and start creating your Latina CEO identity. Lista? Let's get into today's episode. I'm curious to know where you're at. I know that your call is like fast approaching with your client. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good. I think I think knowing that I'm just going to be going into the call like no más para que me diga si sí o si no. Like that's making me just feel like, okay, whatever happens is going to happen. Like I'm not going to pressure anything. I'm not going to like feel pressured for like either response, you know? So I think that's helping me like stay a little bit more calm and then just like kind of reminding myself like, okay, whether this person is a yes or a no, like you still need to get other people, you know? So like your work doesn't end with just like this one person. So like, I don't like whether he says yes or whether he says no, like, I don't want it to go either way. Like, I don't want him to be like, he said, yeah. So now I'm only focusing on this one person and I'm like, oh, I have a customer and like, or he says no. And then I get all discouraged and I'm like, uh, whatever. Well, this is not even working. Blah, blah, blah. So I'm trying to like remind myself, whichever answer, like there's still work to do you know like this is still your business you're not just like here to get one customer absolutely and I love that you bring this up because I think it's such a good reminder too for ourselves of like we are always selling all the time that is literally our job as entrepreneurs we're always inviting people to work with us it doesn't matter if we're booked out or not and I think that's a, a very common thing that can happen, right? Like sometimes we're like, okay, well, we already have clients right now. 
let's, I'm not even going to worry, but we have to also remember that these clients like have an expiration date with like our contracts. And also like when we know in our heart that like, there's always clients that are going to be like potential clients coming, we don't attach so much to like just one or two clients because like, we don't ever want to feel like we're attached and dependent on these two clients. So I love that your mind is already going there. I think what I would offer too is like, let's think about this person in terms of like their own thoughts, right? We, the circumstance is this like second um, sales call with Liz. What are some of the thoughts that you think they might be having in the case that they like would say that they're not going to move forward? I think maybe just financial. First of all, I think that's usually people's kind of being on the fence. It tends to be like a financial reason, which like that's understandable. And then also maybe just uncertainty within themselves if they're ready to do something like this or not. And for him, just like, yeah, like self-doubt. I think that's kind of why he's coming to coaching with me is because he does have self-doubt already. And he's trying to like work on that. So I feel like that could be one of the hurdles. Yeah. And one thing I'm going to challenge us to, to do is to not see the financial, like to never think about the financial objection. And the reason why I say this is because I know that's the first one that we gravitate towards, but there's so many other reasons why they would not join, right? Not We're not bringing in the energy. The only reason why we're talking about this is to support your, your worst case scenario. And then we're going to look at the best case scenario. So, so we have to lean into the fear of like how it would feel in our bodies to like have a no and like, oh my God, because our brain will make it be like, this is it. Like our freaking business is a failure. It's never going to work. And sometimes when we lean, lean in, we realize, okay, the worst thing that happens is that I keep selling and I'm still safe and I'm still in control. So that's how I want you to feel. I want you to feel safe and I want you to feel in control. So the thoughts that come to mind for me are for them, like this is their model. It would be like the circumstances coaching with Liz. The thought is, I don't know if I can commit to this. That tells me that like they they lack belief in themselves um, to be able to be consistent with something. The other thing is like, what if people find out I'm working with a coach? That's a very common fear, given that this is, uh, I believe this is a male yeah. um, that you have the call with. And, you know, there's a lot of stigma that happens with getting support, right? And just people finding out. I have clients that have worked with me that are females and that are like, more less likely to have this stigmatized that still don't want people to know that they're working with a coach because they don't want to feel vulnerable, right? Or they don't want to feel judged or like them seeming as weak or whatever it is. Maybe it could be like, I'm not ready to open up these ghosts that I have been suppressing for so long. Yeah. So you see how there's like, and this is what I want you to do anytime because we're always going to, there's going to be a time and place where hopefully not, but we will get no's and we will get a bunch of reasons. But what we don't want to do is spin out and shame ourselves and feel like we failed. And in order for us to avoid that, we want to like look at this, at this as a, from a sales intelligence perspective and get in our client's thoughts. And a lot of times you'll see that this exercise is helpful because it like externalizes the situation from us. And we don't like, it's less likely that it's going to like cause shame within ourselves, bruise our egos or make us feel like it's something that's wrong with us. Yeah, I feel that. And uh, 
once you started giving me the examples, I feel like that's totally where he might be coming from specifically. Yeah. And, and once you think about those two as well, you'll notice in the call, like as they share, like their reasoning, if they say no, you'll notice that these things will come up. You can get curious with them and be like, oh, this is interesting that this is coming up for you. Tell me more about this. And you can even like coach them through that process and get curious instead of like being like, okay, bye. Right. Like, because sometimes what they need is just like to feel heard. And maybe this is something that they didn't voice to you in the first sales call that they had with you. That's true. So you see how like initially, sometimes when we have these two fears, when we have the fear of like, ¿Qué tal que dicen que no? O ¿Qué tal? Like, si me dicen que no, okay, bye. That's it. I'm not going to try anymore. That's like us self-protecting and being like, I don't want to hear the rejection, but if you're going to reject me, then fine, bye. <laughs> so that like robs us from the opportunity of like getting to know our clients' objections deeper. And this is overall going to help you with future sales calls because you're going to be attracting similar clients that may be having similar objections, but you're going to, when you get curious about them, it helps the process just feel a lot lighter. Yeah. And this is essentially how you increase your conversion rates and we get your calls to close. Which honestly, I feel like I needed to hear that because I think I've even said this out loud to you. Like I've, I've never thought of myself as like a good salesperson. Mm, you're a salesperson. Yeah. So like, that's like an identity that I really do need to like step into because like, I even tell myself like, oh, I'm not like, I'm just not good at selling, you know, like I'm not good at selling. I'm not good at like doing things like that. But yeah, like this is literally like me having to sell myself, you know, in a way like my services. So I do have to be good at selling. This is so good. I'm so glad you brought this up because that tells me that there's work we have to do. And I'm going to, you literally gave me homework. I'm going to (laughs) a tool to help like you all become, for it to become more possible for you to step into this identity. And the first thing that comes to mind is like the stories we tell ourselves are so freaking, they make us or they break us. (laughs) They really do. And this is going to sound like a terrible example, but I think it might land. So it reminds me of when I was younger, I always used to see like all of the kids being super athletic and like being super sporty and all of these things. And I used to see, yo comía maruchans todos los días and like puffs and freaking lo que encontraba, right? Because we were broke. We didn't have money. So my mom couldn't cook for, cook for us. She would leave these things at home and that's all I ate. So estaba gordita. Yes, I would get bullied for it. So I never saw myself as someone that could be athletic. And anytime that I tried like exploring a new sport or whatever it was, I could never do it because my mom one would never let me because I had to take care of my brothers. But also las niñas no hacían eso, right? It was only for niños so that they could be away from the bandias. All this to say that I always told myself the story of like, I'm not an athletic person. Like I just don't run. I don't work out. I don't like do sports. That's just not who I am. I'm never going to be able to be that person. I never had the space to even just think, oh, maybe I could be an athletic person if I chose to. But it wasn't until I gave myself permission to say like, okay, I'm going to stop telling myself the story that I can't do this and that I'm never going to be able to do this because that's not making me feel better. I know that I want to be healthy. I want to move my body. I know that this is something that like, if it moves something in me, it's because I want to do it. So I stopped telling myself that story. And I share this with you as an example of your self identity. Maybe the story you've told yourself 
in your life is like sales are icky. Um, I'm not good at sell. I mean, like, I'm like, yeah, I've never even like, I've never worked a retail job. I've never worked like even in a restaurant when I was applying to like jobs, when I went to college, like I got a call back for this thing where like, you had to go like house to house trying to sell some knives or something. And I was like, no, I can't do this. I'm not going to make any money doing this. And I don't know. I always felt like it was just something that I couldn't do. And it's weird. Like, I don't know why, like my mom sells like Mary Kay and like has always like done like different little things like that. And she's even asked me like, why don't you just sell Mary Kay? Like you have so many friends on like social media and like, you could do this and you could do that. And I'm like, like, I don't know. I just don't see myself doing that kind of stuff. When I've gone to her, like with to her on her sales, she actually will sell a lot when I'm with her because I'll be like explaining things to the people and be like, oh, like I actually use this product and like I use it like this. And then she'll sell like a bunch of shit. And she's like, see, like you just helped me sell all of this. And I'm like, I don't know. Like when I'm like there, it feels fine. But it like, I don't know. Como que me, I don't know si me da vergüenza or like if I just feel like I'm not good at it. I don't know. It's like, it's always been like a weird thing. Like, I don't know what it is. So good. Okay. I'm curious to know what are the thoughts that come up for you when you think about sales? Like, como te vas a ver, how you're going to be perceived? Like, what are the thoughts that come up for you? I guess I just think of like, I don't even know. Like, I'm, I don't even think I've like ever really been around. Like, I mean, I can't even say that. I don't, I don't know. Like, well, I was like, I know what you were going to say. And I was like, you can't say that because it's everywhere around us, every day. Everywhere. Like, maybe like, I'm going to be like too much in people's face or something. Okay. So invasive. Yeah. Thoughts about cells is what we're doing right now. <laughs> I feel this so good. I know. I feel like I'm like in a therapy session right now, and I'm like, "Fuck!" I didn't even know I had all of this internalized. <laughs> good. Let's get it out one at a time. But yeah, honestly, if I could say the biggest word, which I'm like not proud of saying this right now, but I think it would be like vergüenza. Like I feel like it's. I find it like not shameful, but like embarrassing. I guess. Mm, why do you think it's embarrassing? I don't even know. This is like making me think so much right now because I actually uh, just saw a TikTok earlier and it's like this girl saying like, muchachas, si la Kimberly Kardashian puede vender sus fajas y blah, blah, blah. Y like, oh my God, Liz. I was, <laughs> was going to give you that example because I saw it over the weekend. Yes, I literally saw it this morning. Oh my God. And I was telling my, my client, I finished with her. I literally gave her this example and I'm going to recreate the freaking reel. I know. I actually saved the sound so I could do. And I think it's a lot of like youngerness, like just growing up how I did. If you feel seen by this podcast episode and this podcast show in general, and you know that you've been wanting to start your coaching business and start booking your first four-figure clients, I invite you to apply for my group coaching program, Align Coaching, that will be opening up for enrollment October 31st. So if you've been sitting with the idea of starting your coaching business, you won't want to miss this round because it is the last round that will be opening up for enrollment in this year, 2022. And I want to make sure to support you. So get ready, save the date. 
I will be opening up my calendar for you to schedule a consultation call with me so that I can hear a little bit more about where you are and see how I can support you. Enrollment does close on November 11th, so do not wait until the last minute and make sure that you schedule your call with me because this program will sell out. You can find this link to schedule your call with me in the show notes of this episode. Now let's get back into the episode. I actually listened to your to your episode, to your last few like podcast episodes. And the one where you were talking about like the business people in your life and stuff and like how your mom would sell stuff during the winter when like the fresa season was over. Like my parents did the same shit. And my mom brought this up once and it made me feel really bad. And I think this is like exactly where this is stemming from. Like when I was little, like when they first started doing that, selling stuff like that, they would take us with them. And like, we would go to like lavanderias or we would go to like apartment complexes and they would sell their shit. And I think at first it didn't make me feel ashamed. Like, I think like knowing what we were doing made me feel like, made me know that we were poor and it made me feel like bad about being poor. And it made me angry, honestly, too, that we even had to do stuff like that. And I think like when I first, when we were first doing that kind of stuff, like I would give my parents attitude and like, I'd be like, Oh, like, let's just go. Like, can we go already? Like, cause they would literally just pick us up from school. And then we would like go straight to like selling things. And we wouldn't get home to like late. And like, we'd be doing our homework in the, in the car, like just hanging out there, you know? So I feel like I was like a little bitch to my mom and my dad about that. And maybe a few months ago, my, I don't know how we brought this up. And my mom made a comment to me saying like, and I felt so bad because I didn't even know that like she had felt that coming out of me you know and like because later on as I grew up and like as I understood why we were doing that like I really appreciated that they did that you know and like I appreciated that like we had these like my parents were fucking yeah like resilient ass people who like found ways of like making a living for us you know but I think this is where it stems from like it's like I don't know I think that's the closest I can like say it and it's weird what I captured from what you said first of all thank you for being so like honest and vulnerable because I know that like this is a memory that was stored inside and it was one that we had to like unpack (laughs) like I feel so like yeah (laughs) I just I want to name so many things. So I literally, it's like my mind was just mapping it all out as you were speaking. And it makes sense that you felt that way. And it makes sense. Like there's two sides, right? There's like the side of your mom that she, she, she was hurt by like your perspective, like as a little girl of, you know, like te diera pena y te diera vergüenza from her end, right? Because as in her own eyes, right? She was trying to make a living, find a way, make a way, right? But for you, your reality was also very different. We were growing up bullied all the time, trying to fit in, trying to like find ourselves, finding our identities. And we would get bullied for anything. Like kids are ruthless. So of course it makes sense that you were like annoyed and that you didn't see like this other side of it because you were just a kid. Like you just wanted to not be bullied or not be shamed for like your family 
having to make ends meet in it from a different perspective, right? So there's two very different realities that, of course, your mom can't understand because she's not the one experiencing it at school and vice versa. Yeah. So forgiving, forgiving those moments where we didn't understand and our realities look very different and it makes sense that you felt ashamed at the time. And what I see is that the reason why there's this block is because there's been an association stored in your body and in your mind about the fact that making money, like the fact that you all, like your family made money in different little ways, it made you feel it it equated to like being poor. It was just a reminder that you were poor and that you didn't have enough and that you were maybe not good enough or that like, maybe you just were not like at the level of living of other people in your community, right? Making you feel like you didn't fit in. So it makes sense that because of this association, you feel like it feels like invasive. I don't want to be that person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) How did that land for you? No, like that's literally it. And it's like, there's a lot of little examples like that for me growing up, you know, like of like just feeling the shame of like being poor. Cause dude, like, I don't know. I had to understand a lot of things about myself at a very young age, you know, that like a lot of people don't have to understand yet, you know, like even like being like undocumented and stuff. Like I knew that from like the very fucking first moment that I went to any school here and it was like just always feeling like different and yeah like I remember like even my mom would take us to like Goodwill and stuff and like that's where we would get a lot of like our clothes and I remember being so like embarrassed that we were having to get clothes from Goodwill and like now everybody fucking wants to go to Goodwill and it's like it's vintage (laughs) and now I go to Goodwill all the time and like I go to yard sales all the time and like like I tell my mom like you you taught me how to like be resourceful and like do all like every time I wear some of my fucking Goodwill outfits people will be like oh my god your outfit is so cute and I'm like yeah I fucking got it at Goodwill you know and like but like when I was younger it made me feel like yeah like not good enough or like that I had to be like resourceful or that I had to be like a hustler or like that I had to find these avenues, you know? So I feel like now as an adult being this kind of person where I am resourceful and I am finding these different avenues to like make a living and whatever, you know, like sometimes I think it just brings back those like memories of like fear and shame. And it's, I think I'm learning how to like, walk myself and talk myself like through those moments and being like okay yes in that moment I felt that way but those actions and those things that I had to grow up with taught me to be this person and like now I can use those tools in this way for these new businesses that I'm trying to create and that I'm not trying to create from poverty you know like I'm not trying to create a business because I feel like poor or whatever, like I'm trying to create a business because I want to be in this business. Like I want to be in the business of helping people and I want to be in the business of creating. So I think it's just having to talk myself into that kind of mindset more and out of like the mindset of I'm trying to create a business or like sell things because I need money. Absolutely. This is such a good example, Liz, of how entrepreneurship will trigger wounds that we have not looked at and that have been stored in our subconscious. 
And this is why like life and entrepreneurship literally goes hand in hand because it'll start unpacking all of these different triggers that were like, oh damn, this is happening. My fear. I, know, I literally wanted to cry right now. It's like, oh my God, am I going to cry about fucking cells? <laughs> uh, no, but it's necessary because it has to be released. Yeah. Like it has to be released. It literally took, for me, it took one, one month of me, like my, I was catastrophizing and I was like, I'm going to freaking be homeless. I'm going to like lose everything I have. <laughs> I think because I, it was a month that I didn't make any sales. And I remember that it, student loans were like going to be needed to pay or something like that. And then all of these random expenses that I was not expecting came up in a month. And one of the biggest ones being my dad's lawyer for his immigration status. And I was like, literally feeling Liz, like I could not even breathe. I was like, it was such a painful sensation because I had not felt that since I was little. And since my parents were literally, my mom was doing literally what you just explained, going to find a way to make a way. And you know, sometimes it took that experience and that trigger in entrepreneurship for me to revisit all of the money, shame, and trauma that I had, because it will keep us blocked for us to continue moving forward and making more money and feeling safer, receiving more money, not feeling like a fraud, not feeling like we're robbing people and not feeling like we're only doing it for the money. Yeah. Right. So I just want to validate everything that you shared because girl, I'm right there with you. I freaking, when you were talking about the clothes from Goodwill, I remembered when this girl in elementary got bullied so hard. I felt so bad. I literally never forget this. They bullied her so hard because she was wearing shoes from Goodwill and pobrecita, like all of elementary, all of elementary, she freaking like had trauma in middle school. Like people literally saw her as a girl from Goodwill. And it was so, so sad because now it is vintage. Now we freaking go thrift shopping. Yeah, dude, like now people fucking buy Goodwill stuff and then try to sell it online for like way more money. Exactly. And my mom literally still goes to Goodwill. She's a hustler. Like she freaking goes and gets like Lululemon. She's like, ay, estás bien mensa. She's like, yo no sé por qué tú vas y gastas en esa ropa bien cara. Si yo acá, mira, la agarré con etiqueta y todo y me salió a dos dólares. <laughs> so I'm like, damn, girl, you're beating the system. She's like, you have to find a way to make a way, right? But like, it was our reality. It was embarrassing to when we were little because we it was a constant reminder of the fact that we didn't have enough and we were not good enough, right? Like I think back to middle school, I remember all the girls wearing freaking Abercrombie, freaking like yeah, like an American Eagle, like all these things. And my mom would be like, Mija, nosotros nunca podemos tener esa ropa, okay? Yo no te puedo comprar esas cosas. All I wanted, Liz, was a Jansport backpack. That's all I wanted. Yeah. A, a yeah. black one. <laughs> and I couldn't get it, Liz. I'm gonna... I got a fucking Dickies. Right? And I, like, I remember we went to Ross and they had them on sale for back to school. And it was like this Jansport made of freaking basketball rubber that was blue. I didn't care. I just want the chance for back because I wanted to fit in. But like, again, like these stories are what shape us now. Yeah. And they're what will allow us to, once we accept those parts of ourselves and we realize that like, we are safe now, those are not, that is not our reality anymore. We are in a different place. And all along we were freaking resilient, like collectively, like our whole entire families, even if we didn't have an understanding of like why we were doing what we were doing and we made it mean other things that only happened because we were looking at our lives from this societal like lens. But now we can take that freaking lens off and realize that like we are safe to 
to make cells. We are saves to be a fucking Kardashian. You know, if they have the courage to do it, we can do it too, because este trabajo es honrado. And I think that was the part that really like stuck with me from that video. Like, no estamos haciendo nada que nos debería de dar vergüenza because we're not over there. I mean, the drug industry is like a whole different conversation, right? But like, yeah, like we're not fucking like killing people. We're not robbing, you know, like, right? like eso sí debería de dar pena, but we like, we shouldn't feel this shame that we carry and that's passed on through generations, but it's our jobs to heal that and to give ourselves love and self-compassion. And from what you like shared on this call too, it's like part of the work is going to be rewiring those beliefs and those associations that we have made according to like what money means to us and what selling means, right? Like some of the biggest words that came up were like, it's invasive, like that pena, right? Like, so when you think about someone who sells, like someone that like sells, but in a way that feels that you see like, oh, actually that seems really effortless. Or when you think of your mom selling. Do you think that she's invasive? No. And like, that's the thing. It's like, I push my mom to sell and I'll be like, I'll be like, mom, yeah, like bring all these things. And like, you know, like when she's doing her thing, like I'm like very supportive of her. So I'm like, how can, like, why can't I do that sometimes with myself? Like it's, it's a weird fucking thing. The key is in in giving yourself compassion and speaking to the way you were speak to your mom. So anytime you're going to make a sale and you have a thought that like, oh, I don't want to do this. I want you to think about your mom and what you would tell her if she was struggling with selling, right? Like telling her like, no estás haciendo nada malo. You're literally so freaking badass for like doing this, right? Like you are not invasive. Like you freaking are resourceful AF. And at the end of the day, like you selling, you're gifting your gift to the world. That's really what it is when you are inviting people. And here's a line that's going to break your brain and blow your mind. That I wrote down. Where is it? Because I wrote so many notes. Selling list is just storytelling, which is what you do. That's true. That's all it is. And it's literally proven that that's literally what marketing has turned into now. It's no longer having a logo and like being recognized for your brand. It's literally storytelling. Yeah. And I wish you could see yourself through my eyes because... <laughs> Literally, like I, as you were like writing that down, I'm like, oh my God, I wish I could capture this moment and like just this image of you because I see it as like la portada de many, like, you know, when they introduce like the directors <laughs> and producers, like that is who you are and how can we, or how can you step into the identity of this is who I am. Like I have all of these hats that I carry and this is who I am now. Like I sell, I'm safe selling. I am a good ass seller. And the proof of that is that I have been storytelling my whole entire life. Yeah. Like there is so much power in the words that we use. And the more we tell ourselves we can't do something, the more of that, that will grow. Yeah. And that's true. Like I, I do tell myself that like, que no se vender. So that's my homework. I'm going to stop saying that. Si se vender. Tell yourself a different story. What is the story you want to tell yourself about selling? of who you are now? How do you want to retell the story of your life around selling? So right now you told me this, the hardship story that you saw as like five-year-old Liz. I want you to tell yourself the story from like this highest version of you, Liz, and tell that story to your little Liz. Well, I would say 
that we definitely know how to carry ourselves and how to like talk about ourselves enough to get the job or get the position or get the sale. Like that is something that I do like about myself is I feel like as soon as I meet someone, like whether it's like a job or whatever, like, and I actually get to talk to them one-on-one, I feel like people do actually listen to what I say. And I usually end up getting like a job or something from talking to people. Like anytime I've had a job interview, I've gotten the job, like at least 98% of the time after meeting the person like one-on-one and like having like a conversation with them. And I think that knowing how to like speak my mind has helped me a lot in life in general. And I think that's something that I learned from like seeing my parents sell. Like my mom is very good when she's like with people. She's both of my parents are actually very good with people. And that's like another thing that I gained from your episode is it made me think a lot about them. And it made me like really appreciate like what they've taught me and just like how they've been carrying themselves in their lives. Like my dad literally there was like an issue with the last job that he was at and then they like fired him like illegally like he's like fighting them or something because he he had got hurt and on the job he después lo despidieron and instead of like trying to just find another job like that or whatever because he had gotten hurt at like two of like the jobs that he's worked at um so he was just like I'm tired of like working for other people and like getting hurt and then like they just let me go and they like don't care about my pain you know so instead this man has like self-taught himself how to do landscaping how to do like now he's like a contractor and somehow without even knowing English or anything or fucking any other language he managed to like he's like has built like a roster of clients now that he like goes and like does stuff for them. Like he built like a smoke shop for like this Arabian guy. And like, now he's friends with him. And like, he's like, I don't even know speak Arabian. And like, he barely speaks Spanish, but somehow we get along. And like, now he like will go and like do landscaping for like super rich white people and like fucking Monterey and shit like that. And he's like been making really good money. Like that's what he's been doing the last few years. And he like learned how to do all of that on his own. And he's like managed to like build these clients on his own and like do these things on his own, you know? And like now he even has like his helpers. So he has like his own employees that he pays now. And like, he's like literally building a business, you know? And like, he did that shit all on his, on his own. And my mom has always kind of been the same where like all the little businesses that she's done, she'll... Like, she's just, like, really good at selling. Like, she just creates these relationships with her clients. And, like, they become friendships or, like, the people keep coming back to her. So, yeah, like, seeing them and, like, learning that from them, I feel like that's kind of been the biggest, like, thing that they passed down to me is, like, feeling, like, secure enough in myself to, yeah, like, to speak my mind or to kind of, like, talk about my strengths and like my talents and like have the work ethic. Like they've taught me how to have like a really good work ethic. I think. 
I love that so much. And again, like, again, I think it's, it shows the power in like, once we realize where we come from and the skills that we learn from our, like the most important people in our lives, that is when we're like, oh damn, like I've been this person this whole entire time. I just wasn't claiming that I was, and I was just not like, I wasn't seeing it. Right. And now you look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, yeah, like this is who I am. Like I am resilient as hell. I freaking like have such a strong work ethic. Like I, you find a way to make a way right in the best way. And really what I, what like part of that homework of retelling your story from like this higher version of yourself to like, to little Liz, it's, I'm curious to know if the story would look like this. Cause this is how I envision like retelling the story for you. And as an outsider looking in and it's like, when you were little, your reality looked very different as someone, you know, with your identity, right? Being undocumented, seeing that you were very different from everybody else, you felt different from everybody else. And your parents' reality were very different from everybody else's too. And they had to make a way to find a way, but thanks to their resiliency and their like strong work ethic and their, you know, courage to like find a way of survival, they were able to pass on these incredible skill sets to you that now are part form part of your story have helped you become who you are. And because of this, now you can tell these stories and share your gift with the world. But the, every single hardship of like coming from a very humble upbringing have helped you appreciate the little things in life and have like shaped you into this resilient woman that you are now. So you see how the story is very different. So now that you have this narrative of like what your upbringing was, you can start to carry yourself different, a little bit lighter. And in a way it feels a little bit more liberating to feel freaking courageous to be like, Hey, si otras personas pueden, yo por qué no voy a poder. Yeah. Because really we are in control is of how, of the stories of how we tell our stories and the story that maybe sometimes we tell ourselves doesn't really serve us for where we want to go. So how can we retell the story? Yeah, that's true. And that's not dismissing, of course, the real feelings that came up, but that is no longer the, that's coming from the, the story you told me was coming from the wounded, like inner five-year-old Liz. Yeah. And now your reality is very different. Yeah, that's true. I think this was a good call. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad. No, this was a really good call. Thank you for being courageous and being vulnerable because I think we really unlocked something here. If you took value from this episode, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. This will help other Latina CEOs find us. And if you're excited about this podcast, I invite you to take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at lifewithliz, that is L-I-F-E-W-I-T-H-H-L-I-Z. Mil gracias por estar aquí and I'll see you in the next episode.